Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello everybody, welcome in to this episode of La Liga Lowdown's club podcast series where this time we'll be telling the story of Real Valladolid. I'm your host Drew McTeer and we've got some great guests coming up as we go through the story of the white and violets. Before we get stuck right into Real Valladolid's origins, let's start off by listening to a couple of their greatest moments. sounds of a couple of their many promotions into Spain's top division, the most recent coming when they came up in 2017. We'll hear all about those promotions and the club's other successes in more detail as we spool back to how it all started, to the birth of Real Vidalid. We've got Paco Pollitt coming up to start us off on the Real Vidalid story after we enjoy a quick listen in to the club hymn. Real Valladolid. 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 Real Val
In their history, Real Valladolid have won three Segunda División titles, four Tercera División titles, one Copa de la Liga and one Copa Federación Española. Nicknamed Pucela, they've achieved moderate success over their years and are a very proud club. Football arrived in Valladolid thanks to Julio Alonso, a native who brought it with him upon his return from England. The city's first club came to be in 1904, a short-lived operation by the name of Valladolid Football Club. It wasn't until the 1920s, however, that Valladolid began to take football seriously. The Federación Castellano-Leonesa was founded in 1923, shortly after which came clubs like Sociedad Deportiva Ferroviaria, Club Deportivo Español, UD Luises, Rubia FC, Iberia FC, Sociedad Real Unión Deportiva, Unión Deportiva and Titan FC. The idea of forming La Liga gathered pace around 1927, with Valladolid taking a keen interest in it. Español, on a visit from Barcelona, took on a team of players compiled from the local Español side and Real Unión Deportiva in 1928, after which talk of a merger between the two deepened. Real Valladolid Deportivo was born shortly after, with Pedro Zuluaga Mañueco elected the president. The club started life off in the third tier of the Spanish footballing pyramid in 1929. Their first campaign was mediocre, seeing them finish sixth, and when the division disappeared the following season, they pitched up in the Tercera. Real Valladolid Deportivo finished as runner-up in the Tercera in both 1930 and 1931, changing their name to Club Valladolid Deportivo in the summer of the latter after the establishment of the Second Republic. They won their group in 1933 only to miss out on promotion after a playoff semi-final defeat to Zaragoza FC, but achieved it the following season led by players like López, Irgoyen, Sanudo and Gabilondo. The club finished their first Segunda campaign as runner-up but the outbreak of civil war in July 1936 suspended activity for three years. They returned after its culmination with another new name of Real Valladolid Deportivo and retained their second flight status for five seasons until suffering relegation back to the Tercera in 1944. By now, they were playing in the bigger Estadio Municipal, but it still took them three years to escape the third tier. They won the division in 1946, only to lose the final of the promotion playoff, but they rallied to ascend the following season. Valladolid won the Segunda in their first season back to gain direct promotion to the Primera División, keeping their place at Spanish football's top table for 10 consecutive seasons thanks to the efforts of players like Lesmes Primero, Lesmes Segundo and Matito. They also made it to the final of the Copa del Generalísimo for the first time in 1950, only to lose 4-1 to Athletic Club. The Estadio Municipal was renamed Estadio José Zorrilla the following year, with Valladolid winning the Copa Federación 1-0 the year after that, after beating Club Deportivo Cacereño 1-0 in the final, thanks to a goal from Ricardito. This era came to a close in 1958, however, when they were relegated back to the Segunda and became somewhat of a yo-yo club. Valladolid finished as runner-up in the Segunda in 1962 to come back up, beating Real Club Deportivo Español in the promotion playoff. The following campaign was the best in the club's history, with Real Valladolid finishing fourth under Antonio Ramallets. They were relegated the following season, however, beginning a 16-year exile from the Primera. Real Valladolid finally managed to secure a return to the Primera in 1980 with the Nuevo Estadio José Zorrilla, the club's current home, opening in time for the Spain-hosted 1982 World Cup. 
The club won their first match there 1-0 against Athletic Club thanks to a goal scored by Jorge Alonso. On the pitch, the 80s were a decade marked by the club's struggle to retain their top flight status, but it also brought the only elite title to the club's name, the 1984 Copa de la Liga, a summer tournament that ran for four editions in the 1980s. It was essentially Spain's short-lived version of a League Cup. They won that after beating Real Zaragoza, Sevilla, Real Betis and, in the final, Atletico de Madrid. The Blanquivioletas finished sixth in 1989 to qualify for Europe, also reaching the final of the Copa del Rey only to lose 1-0 to Real Madrid. That team was led by players like Minguela, More, Gonzalo, Moya, Caminero, Jankovic and Fonseca and was extremely fun to watch. They made it to the quarterfinal of the Cup Winners' Cup the following season before losing in a penalty shootout to Monaco. Unfortunately, Real Valladolid were relegated back to the Segunda in 1992, something they managed despite having the famous Colombian duo of René Higuita and Carlos Valderrama among their ranks. They became Real Valladolid SAD that year, with Marcos Fernández taking over as their largest shareholder and they returned to the Primera at the first time of asking. They won just eight games the following season, however, and were relegated again, only to be saved alongside Albacete Balompié by the Spanish Football Federation's decision to expand the Primera to 22 clubs. They made the most of that, finishing seventh in 1997 to qualify for the UEFA Cup, beating FK Skonto before losing to FK Spartak. The club closed out the millennium by officially changing their name to Real Valladolid Club de Fútbol SAD, and that remains their official name to this day. Thanks, Paco. So that was Real Valladolid's 20th century story, but let's move on now to hear about the more recent twists and turns and Pusela Tales. This is a club that now famously has Ronaldo as a majority shareholder and president, which is obviously very cool. But how did that come about? We'll find out with Roman Darker. After a consistent run in the Spanish top tier, Real Valladolid were relegated to Segunda División in the 2003-2004 campaign. They would return, but never remaining more than three seasons in a row, making it difficult to recover the stability the club once had in La Liga. In their first season back down in the Spanish second division, Los Pucelanos finished 6th, 13 points away from the top three, which were given direct access to La Liga. The following 2004-2005 season, things went much worse, despite a good start thanks to which they were third in the standings by the end of December. The same month in which Aris Aduriz departed to Athletic Club, the Basque team was in dire need of a striker given their terrible start in La Liga, even flirting with relegation. So they spent 3 million euros to bring Aduriz back home and gave Los Pucelanos a nice economic boost but at the same time weakening their offensive capacities. Once Aduriz left, Real Valladolid would keep up their good results for a month or so, but would start free-falling from February onwards, ending the season in a disappointing 10th position. But they would bounce back the following campaign with José Luis Mendilibar on the bench, to become an unstoppable side in Segunda, winning the league title to obtain direct promotion after achieving 88 points and setting a new record at the time. But back in La Liga, Valladolid never had it easy. They accomplished their objective of avoiding relegation, although they suffered right until the very end, missing out on the drop by just three points. 
in that 2007-2008 campaign, their most impressive feat was scoring the quickest goal in La Liga history against Espanyol, which still holds nowadays. In what looked like a rehearsed play, Joseba Llorente darted off towards Iñaki Lafuente's goal as soon as he played the ball to his teammate Victor in the kickoff. Victor then pretended he was going to pass the ball backwards, but quickly turned around and sent a long ball forward to Llorente, who just needed two touches to lob it over Lafuente. This took just over seven seconds, and Valladolid would go on to win the game by two goals to one. The team seemed to improve the next season, even closing on European positions for a while. But their good form suddenly ran out, and in the last 11 games, they were incapable of winning. The consequences were severe, meaning that in the last match day, they were two points away from the drop zone, facing Real Betis, who were also fighting for their lives. The final result was a 1-1 draw, which was enough for Los Pucelanos, but condemned Betis to segunda. But after two consecutive seasons just avoiding relegation, Valladolid eventually succumbed in 2010. Since Mendy Libar's departure earlier that year, until halfway through 2011, Onesimo, Javi Clemente, Antonio Gómez, Javier Torres, Abel Resino and Miroslav Jukic all sat on the club's bench. A total of seven different managers in just one year and a half was proof of the internal instability which also impacted the club's finances. A debt of almost 40 million euros forced President Carlos Suárez to file for insolvency proceedings near the end of 2011. In fact, Real Valladolid owed its players three months worth of salaries and even had the lights cut off in their facilities, forcing the players to use their mobile phones in order to be able to change in the dressing room. But despite all the complications, the players still focused on their objective of returning to Primera, and actually succeeded with Jukic just two years after their relegation. They finished third, but this time had to go through the playoffs that had been introduced the previous season. In the semi-final, they comfortably dispatched Cordoba with a 3-0 score on aggregate, and then defeated Alcorcón 2-1 on aggregate to seal their promotion. Although Real Valladolid would only last two seasons before dropping down to Segunda, for the seventh time in their history in the 2013-2014 campaign. They almost made it a quick return after making it to the playoffs immediately, but they lost to Las Palmas in the semi-final. Truth was, this time the wait would go on for much longer. It would take them four full seasons to escape Segunda, and they were even at risk of falling to the Spanish third tier in 2016. But they avoided tragedy and ultimately returned to La Liga in 2018 with Sergio González leading them to success in the playoffs for promotion. As a first division team, Ronaldo Nazario became the primary shareholder after buying 51% of the club from former president Carlos Suárez, who would remain as the Brazilian's right-hand man. Valladolid gradually improved in Ronaldo's first two seasons as president, finishing 16th and then 13th the following year, their best result in the Spanish top tier in the last 18 years. Valladolid were then expected to keep on with their improvement after being one of the clubs to spend more money in the summer transfer market, but despite the efforts, the relegation battle agony seems to keep following them. Yeah, Real Valladolid are one of those clubs that were born to be in the middle of either a relegation battle or a promotion push. So we've heard now all about the events that made Real Valladolid the club they are today. Let's now discuss some of the individuals who have made them what they are. We'll do that with Alan Feely, who has picked out three Real Valladolid legends to talk about. Over to you, Alan. 
Every club is marked by their legends, and Real Valladolid no different. Football clubs are organisations compiled of memories, experiences and personalities, especially those who don't have a stacked trophy cabinet. Here are three of Puchela's most iconic figures. José Pepe Moré Bonet joined Valladolid in 1976 after five years with Barcelona B. The Catalan midfielder, born in La Medela del Valles, is closely tied to the club as both player and a coach. As the former, he spent eight years at Valladolid, playing 374 competitive games and scoring 48 goals. Pepe retired in 1988 at 35, having served as part of the Valladolid side that won the 1984 Copa de la Liga. Immediately, he took charge of Valladolid B, coaching them for 12 years. During the 12 years, however, he'd often take the reins of the senior side in the interim basis, such as in and between 1989 and 1990, 1994 and 1995, and 2001 and 2003, even coaching his own son, Xavier. He also worked in the capacity of an assistant manager during that time. Pepe left Valdez in 2003, embarking on brief stints in charge of Tenerife and Castellon before effectively leaving the spotlight of Spanish football in 2007. Luis Mariano Minguela Munoz spent his entire playing career at Valdelud. Born in Frumales, a small village in Segovia, in 1960, he joined the club in 1977 at the age of 17. A midfielder, Luis Minguela ended up making 366 appearances for Vucella, scoring 24 goals. He made two appearances for La Rajita, Spain's under-21 side, in 1981, and earned a cap for La Roja, Spain's senior side, in 1989, playing in a friendly victory over Poland. With Valdelid, Minguela earned his best campaign in the season preceding his sole international appearance, scoring a career-high five goals the club finished sixth and made it to the final of the Copa del Rey. Like Pepe, he was also part of the 1984 Copa de la Liga winning side, but unlike Pepe, he didn't go into coaching. Instead, Minguela went into politics, serving as mayor of Laguna de Duero for the People's Party between 2011 and 2015. Alan Petrnek is the non-Spanish selection. Born in Zagreb in what was then Yugoslavia back in 1972, he began his professional career with Dynamo Zagreb in 1989. Inclusive of a loan to compatriot Segesta, he spent six years at home portraying his luck in foreign shores, landing in Valdez in 1995. Petrnek's day ended up staying in Spain for the rest of his career, playing there for the next eight years until his retirement in 2003. He spent five years at and made 153 appearances for Puchella, scoring 55 goals for the club. The striker is Valdez's all-time record goalscorer in La Liga, with his goal total leaving him behind only Sevilla and Real Madrid man Davor Suker as a Croatian with the most goals in Spanish football's top flight. Paternek's best moment in Puchella's colours came in 1996, when he netted a club record five times in an 8-3 win at Real Oviedo that helped Valdez avoid direct relegation that season. He finished the season fourth in the Pichichi race with 23 goals. The marksman earned international recognition during his time at the Stadio Jose Zaria, playing once for Croatia B and twice for Croatia in 1999. He left Valdelid the following season for Real Zaragoza, where he finished his playing career inclusive of a loan spell at Real Murcia. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So those were some of the legends who have shone at the Estadio Jose Zoria over the years. Let's now hear about the fans who have been there to see it all. The loyal Real Valladolid supporters who followed the team through the good and the bad. Real Valladolid fan Martin Devlin joins the podcast now to tell us all about the match day experience in the city and about the passion of this fan base. Match day at the Estadio José Zoria is a unique experience which I would urge anyone with an interest in Spanish football to find out more about. Why? Well, several reasons. Firstly, and most importantly, the people. The city of Valladolid is kind of off the beaten track of the Spanish football map. That's not a bad thing though, as you know that those people who attend the matches are genuine fans. There's no football tourism here, no glory hunting. It's for the love of the badge, passion without the arrogance. Success has been in short supply over the years, so we're talking about supporters who turn up religiously because they have had that love passed down to them through the generations. Families who have huddled up together in one of the coldest arenas through thick and thin. Yes, they've been there in the searing August heat, cheering on their team against the big boys, but they've also turned out in their droves in the dark winters while struggling in the Segunda. It's real. It's authentic. There are no museums, no mega stores, no third or fourth kits or superstars endorsing fizzy drinks. What you have is a local club whose fans are loyal and unwavering because that's in their DNA. Secondly, the stadium. The Jose Zoria is a throwback, a proper football ground. Built for the 82 World Cup, it was immediately thrown onto the global stage for that reason. Nowadays, it's kind of like your first car, a bit beat up on the outside and in need of some TLC in general, but fill it with your friends and there's nothing like it. Outside, there's plenty space to accommodate fan zones and there's a terrace at the training pitches which makes a great spot for supporters to meet and mingle prior to matches. When the team bus arrives, it's funnelled down a narrow route and fans line the fences with flares, songs and confetti to create a stunning atmosphere to welcome the Pocella players. Inside the stadium, climbing the stairs and stepping out to catch the first glimpse of the pitch and that unique purple seating makes it unlike any other ground that you might have visited before. I actually get chills just thinking about it. The matchday atmosphere was improved by several renovations which took place in the summer of 2019. 
The lowering of the playing surface and the removal of the 80s style moat that surrounded it meant that several rows of seating could be added. This not only increased the capacity for fans, but it brought them closer to the action. The away section was moved, making the entire Zona Este solely for Pocella supporters, and it's this stand which the players see first as they emerge from the tunnel. To their left, the Fondo Norte is where the most animated fans reside, with their banners, flags and loud hailers, and the often organised TIFOs or huge violet and white striped flags. OK, the results on the field haven't gone their way this season, but Real Valladolid is a team of the people, modest but intensely proud of who they are and where they're from. Thanks for that, Martin. All of this then has been the story of Real by the Lead. I hope you've enjoyed learning about it and I want to thank Paco Pollitt, Roman de Arker, Alan Feely and Martin Devlin for their contributions to it. I've been your host, Jim McTeer, and we are La Liga Lowdown. You'll find us online and on social media. For now, thanks for listening along today and I hope you'll join us again soon for another episode. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.